Welcome to the Women's Leadership Network podcast series. This series was created as a means to encourage, inspire, and empower women who want to make their lives better. It starts with sort of resilience, a vision for your career that you have to set for yourself. You get input and you have mentors, but at the end of the day, you have to know yourself and know your interests and your strengths to kind of map that out. We look for current issues and challenges facing women in the legal world and offer ways of tackling these issues, as well as provide a community of support and engagement. I'm Jeannie Forrest for the Women's Leadership Network. Our guest today is Leslie Spencer, partner at Ropes and Gray. I'm happy to welcome Leslie to the podcast to discuss successfully managing a legal career as a law firm partner. Happy to be here. I'm very happy you're here. And because this podcast is oriented around women, I always like to start with this. What was your experience in law school? Looking back to my law school experience, I think very fondly, frankly, of my time at NYU. It's a very welcoming community, um, very diverse, and and very exciting time um, in my life to pursue law school. I had come to law school having worked for about five years as a software developer. I'd previously been to business school, so I had some sense of what it was I wanted out of law school. I was actually tracking towards IP law. But what I found at NYU was such interesting and um, smart people that it had me rethink whether IP law made sense for me, even though that was suited for my background. It encouraged me to do things that I'd never thought to do before, like help to create a student organization. Um, I worked with some of the students to create uh, what's called COLOR, um, the Coalition for Legal Recruiting. And that was because the faculty and staff at NYU was always encouraging when we wanted to, to reach out and do something based on Lonnie Guinier's work. They encouraged it and, and so formed an organization. So I thought my experiences at law school were amazing, to be perfectly honest. And we thank you for color even today. Fantastic. That's still doing incredible work. Yes. That organization. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a very proud point for me, I have to admit. <laughs> How has being a woman of color impacted your career? Yeah, I think, frankly, that's um, difficult to put into a few words. But a very simple question. question. With a very complicated answer, I'm sure. I think that uh, more than anything, it's probably created in me a resilience and a sense of purpose that I certainly had before moving into law school because I was in uh, the technology field where also were few women and few women of color. But in the law, it was coupled with a sense of being an advocate, and that hadn't been part of, of my career before. Mm-hmm. And so those t- the being fueled by, frankly, the, the challenges of being a woman of color, being in a place where you're, you're, you often don't see people like you doing what you're um, interested in doing, often, frankly, discouraged from pursuing IP law. There were folks who... Uh, suggested there was probably easier paths for me if I wanted to stay in the law. There were probably, you know, paths where it would be easier for me to move to partnership. And though my path to partnership wasn't necessarily quick, I knew deep down being wedded to the technology and continuing to pursue IP law was what was going to make me happy. And that was the first thing I had to pursue. And then I'd figure out the difficult challenges of doing that afterwards. When you say discouraged, were you actively discouraged? I think people didn't think they were being discouraging. But yeah, in this sense, made it clear for partnership, you need a sponsor, right? And maybe had me look around and say, well, who would be your sponsor? Who are who are the people who are, you know, I'm even partners who thought they were being helpful, I think, saying I could give you work. I could I could basically take care of your career. 
and think about whether as an IP attorney that would exist. And frankly, I was probably too, too naive <laughs> to know exactly what they were. They were signaling at the time, but they were clearly trying to steer me away from what, what, what did in the end be challenges, I think, of becoming very adept as a patent lawyer, of forming the alliances that you need to move forward in law firms and become a partner. And I'm not saying those things wouldn't have happened in another area of law, but yeah, it's certainly accentuated when there are less women and less women of color in a, in a particular practice. I call it sometimes secretly, now it's not so secret since I'm saying this out loud, getting through the huh layer, yeah. um, because sometimes you know, for instance, faculty meetings have historically been from four to six, which is right exactly at the point where women go home to pick up their kids. Like you kind of, huh, at the end of a meeting, well, huh, I'm not sure that that's an issue, but huh. Or there's a problem that's solved, a woman solves the problem instead of, you know, putting in 10 billable hours. Mm -hmm. Or huh, I'm not sure if that was good advice or good mentorship or, huh, I think that was well meant, but it might have actually been another obstacle. And I think that's exactly right. I think deep down, I'm certain it it was well meant in in the circumstances I had those conversations. But I do think it was, maybe the best I can say, defeatist in that um, Mm -hmm. they weren't seeing for me what I saw for me. And I'd learned, thankfully, from my mother, um, who herself was a computer programmer in the 1970s, where few women and women of color did it, that don't, don't worry what others think you're capable of doing. Just put your head down and do it. And so uh, what might have been discouragement wasn't. But I, you know, I wonder sometimes how many other women, uh, particularly women of color, are discouraged by well-meaning people. Mm-hmm. It's exhausting to get yes. through that huh layer. Like, huh, is that really... Is that really something that I, that because the guys have to think through? Because it can feed your self doubts, right? It absolutely can. I thought of I thought of your mom. I thought of you when I saw Hidden Figures. Ah, yeah. yes, yes, yes. You know that game is not um, typical, mm-hmm. and it's a little exhausting to go through that, to have to fight through that. And particularly if you don't, at least with Hidden Figures, there were there were multiple. <laughs> there was at least a group that they could partner up with, and you don't always find that right. But but you do find allies. I You know, I pointed out discouragement, but you do find allies who don't look like you, who are encouraging, and say, you know, I don't know why you want to do that, but go for it. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and that's, that's just enough wind um, in your sails, at least for me, to keep you going. I like that analogy of looking for just enough wind in your sails, mm-hmm. that you kind of have to tack a certain direction to yep. find yep. find that little bit of wind. Yeah. You just got to get going, keep going a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yep. What advice or counsel would you offer to nurture young women of color, particularly, who are aspiring to get through the ranks of legal professions? Yeah, I think a bit of it we've covered, and it starts with sort of resilience, um, a vision for your career that... You have to set for yourself. You, you get input and you have mentors, but at the end of the day, you have to know yourself and know your interests and your strengths to kind of map that out. And then I'd say, you know, you do all the things you always hear, which is you've got to work really, really hard. <laughs> this is not an easy profession. And definitely look for mentors and allies in, in all facets, whether they look like you or share your interests. There's probably something you can learn. Even the people who seem to be discouraging um, or seem to be challenging in, in ways that seem unpleasant. There's something to learn from that and to learn from them and listen to it. 
And then I would tell the, the young women that um, despite what may seem a foreboding environment um, in, in the world today, that we have made tremendous progress that we can continue to. And really, you know, I guess it comes down to what my mom always said is, you know, the only limitations in life are the ones you place on yourself. You just, you just keep going. It's interesting. Fritz Perls, this is my profession, the, the shrinks and not the lawyers, says that boredom is just not paying attention. And I think that when you fail to find mentors, it's because you've not been paying attention to finding the people who actually will support you. And it means you really, really do have to pay attention. You do. You do. And, and I think sometimes, particularly when you're working hard and you're a bit fatigued and you're starting to wonder, what's the point? And I could do this. I could do something that's less... I wouldn't even say less challenging, but just didn't doesn't face the same resistance. And I think then there's support where you probably don't realize it. They're the simple things. I, for me, my family has been a tremendous support network. Um, I'm very active in my church. That's a tr- tremendous support network. We, we all can find those communities that kind of keep the, the wind in our sails. And I think that's that's critical. And I don't mean to sound as if, the you know, the, the legal environment is so harsh and so unique that that it's impossible for, for women and women of color to succeed. I don't think that at all. I think that we have tremendous leaders um, and tremendous um, opportunity for women. Um, I think I've been the benefit of that, to be sure. My mentors included women um, in law firms. So I don't mean to be discouraging at all, but I do think, particularly for this generation, I'll be honest, I'll maybe sound like my mother a little bit now, that when things get tough, maybe they that um, <laughs> they don't push through, and 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 yeah, you do need to push through. Hang tough. Hang tough. Yeah. What can we do better as a law school, as an institution? This is me speaking as an administrator here. Yeah. Oh, I think you know, law schools like NYU that are very diverse, that have a um, like many of the top law schools, fifty percent of the class are women. You already have communities that exist to support women and, and nurture them. So now the question is, are you preparing them for the, the reality that they face beyond your walls? Because your walls are a safe place, to be perfectly honest. And so I think that's the biggest challenge for law schools, which is, on the one hand, being situated to kind of move their students into the real world means moving them, frankly, into environments that are not necessarily as safe. And don't get me wrong, MIU does an amazing job of directing people and giving them opportunities in the public interest. But if that's not what you choose, and for many, they, they don't, they, they choose law firms or corporations, how to make that transition into those environments. I had the benefit of having worked in, in corporate America beforehand, so there was a lot I'd already learned. I don't think that's true for most students. And so um, they they don't necessarily know how to, to identify mentors, how to listen, um, how to how to um, to find allies in, in an environment that isn't necessarily created to to nurture in the same way that an academic environment is. Well, speaking of, I actually don't think that women's issues are just women's issues. I think feminist issues are all kinds of things. Talk a little bit about intellectual property because I think of you as the IP queen. Ah. <laughs> Wow, that's interesting. I certainly don't think of myself that way, but I will say that I, I love it. Um, it's 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 maybe because I grew up with computer programming paper around the house and pl- weekends and data centers with my mom. I just it's what what moves me. And so I think really in, in, in IP law and 
for me, the excitement is always being challenged. And, and so moving ahead to, to whatever next challenge exists there is, is what excites me. And maybe I've lost your original question in that, but uh, but I think no, the excitement part is, is actually really great, yeah. and that's that's part of probably what keeps your day going. It absolutely does. I mean, I think the day to day of an IP lawyer is is learning new technology, advising clients on the challenges they face on either a new product launch or. Um, and in the instance of being sued based on some existing product line, how to how to keep that going if it's core to their business, or even if it's not, how they might make adjustments. I mean, those are solving technical problems that I, I find incredibly interesting. And and obviously there are legal problems as well, but they, they merge in IP law in a way that that's fairly unique and, and, and very interesting. So you grew up with this tech minded mom and you wanted to go into IP from that was the that was the seed of this that germinated there? So it's interesting. I never thought about being a lawyer until far, far downstream. I, but I did think about technology. But it, it came in bits and pieces. And I think that's probably advice to, to younger w- women, which is that you don't necessarily know what you want to be when you grow up, um, okay. even once you grow up. Um, so don't, don't, don't be discouraged by that. But I did gravitate towards math and science in high school, had a, a teacher who nurtured that, that interest. And saw that and said, you know what, you can apply to MIT too, which was never on my radar. Um, and probably made my mother gasp when she, when she saw the tuition, um, right? But she was like, okay, if you can do this, I can do this. And and so we did. And from there, yeah, I think it, it, it was clear, you know, once I, maybe not without struggle, but got through that hurdle, that it, it was kind of sealed the deal that I was going to be in technology some, some way, shape or form. And so when I went to law school, it was after having worked as a developer for some time. I worked on, in particular, a smart card system that was being patented. So what the patent lawyers did, I was like, well, that's kind of cool. I might do that. Um, was looking for a career change and, and, and hence law school. I think what's been more interesting to find is that even as I mature as an IP lawyer and as a partner in a law firm, that it never gets boring. It's, it's never uninteresting. I'm, I never regret having made this this move into IP law. And that's that's the thing I think is the advice for, for young women, just find a thing that allows you to be true to yourself, whatever that is. Don't make your decision based on what people are telling you is the, the latest job, where the, where the trend is headed or where um, you'll find least, less resistance or whatever factors you're considering. Find the thing that, that resonates for you personally and, and get really good at that. There's something about IP that is so pitched toward the future. Yes. That's very, I, I don't know, it, it's very encouraging. I don't know, it feels dramatic to me. Oh, that's interesting. And maybe that's, yeah, I suppose that's right. Part of it is that you, you feel as if you're pushing frontiers, mm-hmm. um, that even though it's not life and death, I'm often reminded of that by my friends who are like in the medical field. Um, <laughs> what we do is certainly not that important, but it, it, it is exciting in a way that many other even other aspects of the law are not. But I think there are people, back to, to finding things that resonate for you, people who do deal work for whom that is the, the thing, you know, the, the next, helping create the next great industry or, or, or fuel an industry. If that resonates for you, go for it, I say. I don't I don't think there's any one area of law that is more valuable or more more socially responsible than others. I honestly don't don't buy into that. I, I, I know people say that a lot, but I don't buy into that. I think you can be a change agent. I think you can be make an impact in whatever area of law suits you. Um, the the problem is, I think, when people choose an area of law based on prestige or how much money they'll make, um, and and find themselves miserable by that, with that, because I think those are 
poor ways to make a decision on how to spend your life. Listen, IP is changing the world in ways that are so dramatic that we can't even estimate it now. I mean, intellectual property. It touches every aspect of our life. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's, it's not even something I can calculate when I think about it, when I look back in the last decade. What does your day look like? I think the day-to-day varies, but I think, you know, it can be everything from looking at a set of patents and trying to figure out why they probably shouldn't have been granted um, if they've been asserted against our client and and they really were, frankly, overreaching in what they claimed as their invention. And so you're studying older technologies, you're studying new technologies in various different fields. For me, it's primarily software and electronics related, but for others, it may be biological and life sciences. And you're, you're always thinking about what the cutting edge is. And I think that that's very exciting and rewarding. You've got some kind of um, magic. I'm feeling it in your presence. Um, Okay. (laughs) You want to have to explain what that means, but how how so? Well, part of it is just uh, being present to your giant laugh. Uh Um, (laughs) um, And I also can feel your resilience. So that clearly, whether you know it or not, feels like part of your superpower. How would you identify your superpower? Ah, okay. Um, Wow. I don't know that I inherently have a superpower myself. At least not one that you'd admit to. Not one that I admit to and not one that that is any different than anyone else's, to be perfectly honest. I, I don't think I've got personally have anything special. I was, I've been fortunate, fortunate to have the, the background that I have, the parents that I had, fortunate to get the opportunities that have presented themselves. But I think all of those things come to people. It's what you do with them, to be perfectly honest. I've had conversations with a great deal of successful people over my last couple of decades at the law school. And it's interesting that almost all of the women that I talk to tell me that they've been lucky. And they're quick to tell me that, that they've been lucky. And they're less quick to tell me that they're amazing. I, Leslie, got to tell you, you're amazing. Well, I appreciate that. But that's interesting. You've nailed something that I think is probably part of the the, the female psyche, that we don't take ownership of of what we we possess internally in the same way that, that maybe men do. I can't begin to explain all the reasons for that, so I won't try. When I say fortunate, yeah, I am lucky. When I say fortunate, it's, it's um, I, I've mentioned my church before. I honestly do believe that none of us do any of this by ourselves. And that, and so I don't look to, to what individually I have. I assume I do have some skills and, and capabilities. I, I'm not unaware of that and, and quite, quite, um, quite fortunate to have those those capabilities because not everyone um, does that does have that but when you talk about a superpower it makes me sound as if I stand out from other women and I know tons and tons and tons of women who can do exactly what I've done <laughs> tons they may not get there but they could well that means that you're you're pretty darn sticky Ah, maybe that's it. <laughs> Stubborn I think my mother would call it <laughs> well at least call it tenacious right. <laughs> Um, Well, let me put it this way. When you think back to your starting self, in law school anyway, what what advice would you give your younger self when you started law school? Ah, yeah. Probably the biggest advice as a a law student is is 
recognizing that you can't do it by yourself. So the fight, the fact that I just acknowledge that I, I haven't done it alone, I, I haven't always thought that way or approached problems that way. I've often approached it as if I have to do it all myself. Don't do that. Particularly at a school like NYU, where there's so many resources and so many, both faculty and other students who are willing to be helpful. So don't beat your head against the wall or, or isolate yourself. You know, not just study groups, but, you know, use the professors, use the resources, the alum. You, there's a vast community there that wants to help you and, and, and take advantage of that. And what would your, your younger self, maybe even going back before law school, what would she think of you now? Ah, uh, uh, I think she'd actually be pretty pleased. I think she would. She would wonder why it took me uh, so long to move to Northern California because I'm loving having made a transition out here to San Francisco. And I think always in, in my heart wanted to do that. But other than that, I think she'd be pretty proud. I have to tell you that the NYU law community is really proud of you. Well, that's, that's much appreciated. But I, I owe a lot to NYU. It actually did... Uh, launched me in a new direction in my career that, in, in a way that I hadn't anticipated. I was frankly going to law school to kill a few years and figure out what I'd do next with my career and uh, NYU ignited something. So that's fantastic. Well, look at you now. Yeah. Thank you for doing this, Leslie. This has been a lot of fun. <laughs> Thank you very much. For more information about the Women's Leadership Network at NYU School of Law, and to access more episodes in this series, please visit us online at law.nyu.edu slash women's leadership.